Up next on Innovation Bites, we have a very special guest, long-time collaborator with the show, been meaning to get her on for a very long time. And this episode buys us time before we get to her books in the new year. Before we start, I want to thank our sponsor, Zai Boldly, transforming the future of financial services with a suite of embedded products and services, enabling businesses to manage multiple payment workflows and move funds with ease. You can check out Zai at hellozai.com. Management that is destructively critical when mistakes are made kills initiative. And it's essential that we have many people with initiative if we are to continue to grow. Those are the wise words of William L. McKnight, president at 3M from 1929 till 1949. Our guest today is going to expand on what McKnight was talking about there. She has 76 patents to her name. And she is a brilliant writer. She's written two books about STEM, the heart of science, and both of those books, all proceeds go to charity. She is a brilliant thinker, a brilliant writer, and a brilliant speaker, keynote speaker all over the world, a great advocate for women in STEM and women in STEM with a H in there that she talks about all over the world. She's a great friend of the show. And this is a great honor to have her on because I've been meaning to have her on for such a long time. I just haven't got through the list of those other guests that are in front. And it is a great pleasure to welcome Jay Shree Saith. Welcome to the show. I'm super psyched about being on your show as a big fan, as you know. And uh, yes, people know us for our post-it notes and scotch tape, but these days also maybe for our N95 disposable respirators. Yes, yeah, exactly. And and you continue and and that's why I was saying about your you alone 76 patents to your name. But the thing I wanted to really talk about was one of the great articles you write and you're a fan of acronyms. It's one of the ways you learn, you encourage it in your children. And there was a great article you wrote about the concept of understanding that mistakes are critical to innovation to accept that both mistakes and innovation are symbiotic, they're part of the same thread. And what I loved about your article was you talked about that both in the homestead and in the workplace being very, very important. I'll let you take it away because I absolutely love this and I love the acronym errors. Thank you for the shout out for my books. Uh, I've been in the innovation business and very interested in the business of innovation. And in my books, I do write about many of these topics from my vantage point, you know, as a scientist, an advocate, an innovator, a parent, and a fellow human. And uh, like you said, the best part, it, it's not what just people take from these books, but also what they give back. It's the gift of education. So I appreciate you putting the spotlight on the cause, Aiden. Thanks for that bit. Uh, and now onto the bite. Yes, there is always tremendous interest in trying to uh, unravel the secret sauce to fostering innovation in a corporate setting. And sometimes I think people make it more complicated than what it is. And it can be made easier if a few fundamental essential elements are addressed. And in my view, there are six elements to be precise. And that has been my experience in my 30 years in innovation at 3M and also, as you said, in raising my kids. So uh, let's get to it. First thing is very basic, create an expectation. Create an expectation. Unless someone is intrinsically highly motivated, the rest deliver better when there's a general expectation of a certain behavior. And that expectation changes the way we think, it changes the way we act, it changes the way we operate. 
So let me give you an example. At 3M, it's a given. It's an expectation that you're going to be innovative. It's a acknowledgement that all of us are innovative. We have it in us and that we're always striving to innovate and that innovation is encouraged here. So how do you create this expectation? Many ways. Let me give you an example. So at 3M, we have 15% culture. And for the record, we had it before Google had theirs. You can actually Google that. And it says you're innovative. We expect you to innovate. And innovation is important so you can take time to work on ideas that you think could benefit the company and may have little or nothing to do with your day job or your current responsibilities. So let's say I'm working on adhesives in my role. But if I have an idea about abrasives, and I think this is an innovation opportunity for 3M, I am free to work on it because it is of interest to the company. And it's truly genius on so many levels, if you think about it. The idea that you control your time that you want to give to other initiatives, it's symbolic, it's meaningful, it's real, and it's so empowering. Uh, Some people naturally do it. We don't need permission. We are fired up about our idea. We're going to work on it. But for many others, it is liberating and it is motivating because you now know it is expected and it is okay. And it is, in fact, valued. So that's the first element, creating that expectation overtly. The next element, of course, is resources. And I can say, of course, because if you create this expectation and then don't provide the resources, you're creating a ton of other issues, let's just say. Because, you know, you heard about what 3M or what others do and you encourage your people to have ideas and now you have all these ideas and now what? You have no idea. (laughs) And if you don't do anything with them and don't provide resources to follow through on some of these ideas, you know, after sifting through them, all you will have is like a a nice PowerPoint, which really has has no power and is uh, pretty pointless. And you'll have these employees who will now be jaded And the next time you put a call out, people will be like, hmm, they're just checking the box. Uh, They're not serious about innovation around here. It's just a one time, you know, look, we generated a ton of ideas thing. So what do we do at 3M with resources to, um, you know, bolster that culture of innovation? I can give you an example. Number one, you have to get people together. You have to create time and space for them to connect. And this is not just formally, but informally. You have to create that culture of collaboration. And at 3M, we achieve that through what we call Tech Forum. So this is an organization that is run by technical people, for the technical people, and it throws technical people together constantly. You know, it is through internal seminars or invited external speakers or poster sessions, just events where people talk about their work, they talk about their challenges, their successes, and you get to interact. And nine times out of 10, this is where new ideas take form. They start to take shape. And this becomes a network of those critical connections and and really a conduit for uncommon connections that uh, we talk about at 3M. And since you're empowered to use your 15% time, you can use your time to work with others to use your talent to develop new ideas further. And now you can put it together as a proposal for funding. So at 3M, we have internal funding mechanisms. We have grant programs. And the idea is you create a proposal. You you explain why this idea or concept you're championing is important. You identify what funding you need to further this innovation and what you're going to do with it. And here's the best part. 
the committee that decides which ideas get funding is a committee of peers. So think about the genius of that for a minute. You can't say management this and management that. No, no, no. Management has already sanctioned that these funds will go into empowering people to work on their ideas because we gave them 15% time and they can take these to the next level and flush them out. And it's a committee of peers who listens to your pitch. They ask questions. They make recommendation. They volunteer to make connections for you. And they decide whether you get funding or you need to develop the idea a bit more and apply again in the next cycle. So just as an example, for someone like myself who has lived in the 15% zone from the day they joined 3M, in my almost 30 years, I've had, I believe, 18 grants to pursue ideas that really had nothing to do with their my main responsibility or project. And these range from uh, $10,000 to $75,000 and had a spectrum of outcomes. So really after expectation, it is this providing resources and I call it time, talent, treasure. It's the trifecta of resources that you're providing fairly unconditionally. So next it leads me directly to the appetite for risk. You know, while I'm out there, let's say talking to you, interacting with others, scouting ideas, I'm not investing my time on something I was assigned to do. And this may seem like a huge risk that the company is taking because you're putting funds on things that may or may not pan out. You don't even have an oversight into what these people are doing with these funds. These are large sums of money and not to mention people are using their time. But the brilliance of this is that it becomes a training ground for innovation. It is clear that the company is investing in me to develop the very skills that are critical to innovation. So it's not just the funds or the ideas. And many of them, like I said, don't result in commercial products, but they move the needle. They increase our knowledge base. They enhance our networks. They expand our thinking and they build our culture. So it really is developing what I call the I in innovation, taking initiative, inform, influence, inspire for innovation impact. And I can tell you from personal experience how important this has been in my own career. It uh, built my network. It built my social capital. It built my skills. It built my confidence. And it taught me, you know, diligence and persistence and resilience as we push through the commercialization process. And it's because my company decided to take risk and was okay to give us this playground to practice. So this is what I call risk-taking meaningfully in a broad sense. Which brings us to the next element, opportunity. Uh, this culture of empowerment, uh, the catalyzing of connections, the appetite for risk, it creates opportunity. Opportunity for individual, opportunity for the collective that is championing the idea, and commercial opportunity for the company. Uh, and when there is a collaboration uh, you know, tied into your culture and you can champion, lead, and implement ideas, you are inspired to work through the commercialization process to deliver those commercial results. So ideas that have been scouted and incubated informally have the opportunity to enter the official hoppers and get on that path to commercialization. So you're creating opportunities sort of holistically for everybody involved, which in itself is a, is, is a huge reward. And that's really the next element. This behavior needs to be rewarded because people are watching. You know, are you rewarding someone who took initiative um, built a compelling narrative, secured funding, and managed to develop it enough to push the idea forth into commercialization. Or regardless of where it ends up, that behavior needs to be rewarded. So we have systems in place for recognizing individual initiative and collective effort, and not just with a focus on outcome. 
your grants and your ability to secure funding and mobilize others is recognized in your promotion packages, in your award nominations. Um, the grant announcements itself, they're made by the CTO. And the email that you got a grant goes out to the entire community. You get all these congratulatory messages from people. And then you have poster sessions celebrating those innovation projects. And that's attended by the CEO. So all of these little pieces make for a rewarding experience. And all the recognition for taking initiative and creating opportunity for value creation, it inspires further to innovate. So essentially, this if you reward people appropriately, it starts a positive cycle. Which brings me to the last point that there is a constant socialization of this concept of being innovative. It's not a one-off. You have to continually socialize that that's what we're all about. We're about innovation. It has a place in the company's culture. It is linked to rewards and recognition, and that will help sustain it. It's about the stories that are communicative and that narrative that lives on, and you have to keep it in the spotlight. And, you know, many companies know all of this that I'm talking about, but they falter in making good on all six elements. And if you don't do that, I say you're making errors, right? Errors, E-R-R-O-R-S. Uh, in my, you called me on it, the acrostic style. I love these ac acronyms, but they are a good mental reminder of what you need to do. So E is for expectation and expressing it overtly. R is for resources and providing them fairly unconditionally. The next R is for risk-taking and having an appetite for it broadly. Uh, o is uh, for opportunistic, opportunity, uh, you know, holistically for the individual, for the culture, for the company. And then next is R. R is for rewarding appropriately, regardless of outcome. And S is for socialization continually. So, that's that. These are the uh, you know six key elements for fostering and preserving a successful culture of innovation, and and a lack of system level approach to any of them would be a mistake, because it takes system thinking to get innovation right, and 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 skipping steps will will trip you up. Uh, do we always get it right? No. Do we have uh, people and ideologies and processes that mess with it? Of course we do. Do we course correct? Yes, we try to. We try very hard to preserve the critical aspect of these guiding principles because they are deep-rooted in our culture. You talked about what William McKnight said. And he also said things like, hire good people and leave them alone. And so these values are embedded into the structural framing and the uh, procedural systems and the very scaffolding of our culture at 3M. And that's what it takes so that it can survive and thrive. Uh, because, uh, you know, innovation, as you know, is often reduced to a buzzword and you have all these orchestrated processes, but sometimes people miss that at the end of the day. It's about the people and it's about the cultural fabric that we organically stitch together. So a culture of innovation is way more important, in my view, than a top down process. You know, a culture where people are encouraged, motivated and rewarded for working collaboratively to push innovative thinking and, and that really takes leadership, which, of course, we can get into our next uh, chat, Aiden, because that's a big bite. So <laughs> thank you for the opportunity today, because inculcating, maintaining and sustaining a true culture of innovation takes just that innovation. It's wonderful. And thank you for sharing the errors with us. And one thing, though, I, I was trying to resist asking you any, anything further to try and keep it in bite sized chunk is. I loved what you do with your children like you we talked about this before the way you instill creativity and curiosity in your children 
but in that article you also talk about the idea of getting them to create gifts don't buy mommy a gift create one and in the and therefore embracing the errors that they make with those mistakes maybe we'll share that as a little with christmas coming up it might be a perfect opportunity uh, so when my kids were little, I used to tell them, don't buy me gifts, make them with your own hands instead. And it started out with like, I'm sure every parent has gotten this, the hacky birth bay where they don't know the Q's and the P's and the D's and the B's. And I would be very excited about them. And I would say, that's what I love. And I would give them uh, opportunity to give me at least four gifts a year, you know, for different holidays and, and celebrations. And so I'd always say things like, wow, I'm super excited to see what I'm going to get this Valentine's Day and things like that. So you created that expectation. And then when they wanted stuff to create, I would buy them that stuff that they needed. And so that they could learn how to use different things and create. And then I would create opportunity, you know, once they made something that uh, was meaningful. So my son did a lot of origami objects. And so I said, well, there's a tsunami that has happened in Japan. That was many years ago. Uh, my kids are all adults now, both of them. Uh, and and I told them, look, origami originated in Japan. We read about it. And I said, you could do origami for tsunami and raise funds with these cranes that you're making. And I cannot tell you how excited he was and his fingers hurt in making those cranes with that paper. But he made them, sold them. And then I showed how we're going to give the money. And the letter came from Red Cross thanking us. How exciting that was for him. So I got him more and more things that they could create. And uh, we wrote a book together. So the whole idea is to try and use their talents and encourage them to try different things, be creative, and then be appreciative and reward them with something that can help them even think bigger. So for my daughter, she was very interested in writing. She wasn't the arts and crafts type. And so I had to really shift gears and encourage her to do that. And when she was excited about what she heard when Malala uh, Yousafzai said, one child, one teacher, one pen, and one book can change the world, um, I encouraged her to put a presentation together and she led the Minnesota for Malala book drive. And it was so exciting for her. And that's exactly how we got her into science fairs and things like that. So yeah, everything that I've kind of learned in my corporate Life is also something that I see in my home life. And why do we have to complicate things when you know it could be so simple to make sure that you can encourage, motivate, and reward people for the good of the entire community? I really look forward to our deeper dive on both your books, The Heart of Science series. Again, all proceeds go to charity. Jay Shri Saith, Chief Science Advocate at 3M, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Aidan. This has been amazing. As always, thank you to Zai, boldly transforming the future of financial services with a suite of embedded products and services, enabling businesses to manage multiple payment workflows and move funds with ease. You can find Zai at hellozai.com. See you soon.